Uh, good evening. That was weak. Good evening. All right. Um, hope you're ready to go because I am running on empty. Last two days have been busy, so that means I got to pick it up to get my uh, energy going. And so I'm going to come at you quick. If you can't see the screen, you might want to shift. I, I tried to come down here on the floor to clear it up as much as possible. So uh, thank you guys for letting me come back. Um, tonight, let me give a uh, disclaimer. We're going to talk about media. What's the second talk, Heinz? What's the title of it? What about human evolution? Oh, good. I love that talk. Now, I'm going to ask your forgiveness on that second one. Instead of doing Q&A, I'd like to have more time to talk on that one, to be honest with you, because there's a lot I want to cover. I can cut it in half and do some stuff, but that's one we want to go after, because that's a big topic. This first one, I'll shorten it up a little bit so we can keep you somewhat on time. I don't want to keep you out all night. But uh, where was I going? What was I talking about? Media. Okay. Uh, don't think that I am here. ADD. Oh, parents, be happy I was not your child. You think your child has ADD? Oh, no. Squirrel? I mean, oh, that is me to the T. Uh, so I, uh, I definitely am like that. But uh, the media, uh, I'm not here to tell you to watch TV or not to watch TV because to me that's between you and the Lord. You know, I know what I did in my house, and I know what we did with our children, but uh, I can't impose that on other folks. You've got to make that decision for yourself. But I'll put it to you like this. If you're going to allow this thing in your house, you better teach them to critically evaluate the messages that are coming in. And so that's what I do with it, because I was an air traffic controller for 24 and a half years, so I had to learn how to get creative in sharing the gospel. Because, you see, I was a controller. I worked for the federal government. And in America, since we're a Christian nation and you work for a, for the federal government in a Christian nation, you can't talk about Christ because if you talk about Christ in a Christian nation, then you get fired. Yeah, they threatened to fire me all the time. So I had to get creative in the way that I did things. And so I used the media in a major way to get conversations going and turn that into presentations of the gospel. So um, have any of you ever seen any of the Rocky movies? Some of you, let me see. Hands, please, help me. Okay. Most of you, what in the world? You're going to watch those secular Hollywood movies? I mean, this is a Christian, come on. I watch them for research purposes so that when I talk to folks, there's no enjoyment, there's no enjoyment at all. Well, for those of you that have never seen the Rocky movies, I'm here to help you tonight. I'm going to show you all six Rockies in 30 seconds. Proclamation. Man, you're 60. I just saved you about 12 hours of your life. Okay. Um, the media to me is, a, is an interesting tool. It is a tool. I really do believe it. it's a tool. It's not just entertainment. It's a tool that we can use to uh, engage the culture around us. Our ministry is called Reasons for Hope, and our tagline is that when it comes to our faith, we need to know it, we need to live it, and we need to share it. Because uh, I love apologetics. I've been doing apologetics for over 20 years, and, and I love that. But what I found was is that you can get into apologetics to the point where you really miss the whole point for apologetics. 
Because you can get to the point where all you're doing is arguing and arguing and you're never going to argue anybody into the kingdom. Let's be honest. It's the Holy Spirit that's going to convict and convert. My arguments are never going to bring anybody into the kingdom. My arguments I do for one reason, to be obedient. God commanded us to give an answer, so I'm being obedient. And by the way, by giving the answer and being obedient, you know what you're actually doing? You're turning them to Jesus. So I make sure that I want to keep that in focus because you can have answers and still miss the point. So I use the media as a way to try to teach people about Jesus. Now, uh, let me, uh, spoiler alert, if you ever watch uh, Law & Order, if there's a Christian on there, they did it. Well, not true. Um, if they didn't do it, they're worse than the one that did do it. Because uh, I want you to think about it. Christians are depicted on uh, Finding Nemo, Leo & Stitch, you know, let's think about this. Uh, you got Christian characters on uh, The Simpsons. You've got how are Christians depicted. Now, you can use this, though. Watch this. A uh, little clip here on Law & Order. How can you take a clip and then springboard into a conversation? Well, watch this one. Grandpa, who made the world? That's a tough one, sunshine. Why? Well, because some folks say God made it. And others say there was this big bang and the world just appeared. I don't think so. Who do you think made the world? Bob the Builder. That's his job. You chuckle. I got a question for you. Was that an opportunity to take the conversation somewhere that's important? Grandpa blew it. Are you ready to answer that question? And by the way, when you answer that question, whose wisdom are you going to use? Because it's a big issue in our culture today. By the way, do you know who that guy was, the, the, the grandpa there? Do you know who he is in real life? Any of you ever watched Law and Order? Anybody? Anybody? A few of you? The female police officer, Mariska Haggerty, her, her real name, that's her father in real life. So it was one of his cameo appearances. But you see, guys, we got to know that... Uh, that's an opportunity to answer a question that's got implications. The Bible's real clear. It says this, that uh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. If you want to understand how we got to the point where there, hear me, are 400,000 churches across the nation of America, but there are 6,000 first-run theaters, and the theaters are doing more to impact this younger generation than 400,000 churches, you better know the power of the medium. And it's a powerful medium. It's a very powerful medium. Uh, folks tell me all the time, well, Carl, that's just entertainment. I go to the movies, turn my brain off, and I'm just watching, and it's entertainment. I turn the TV on, it's entertainment. It's not just entertainment. It is absolutely a tool that is being used to educate and, may I say, indoctrinate a generation in how to think. So you better be aware of it and know how to overcome it. Because, my humble opinion, without recognition, there can be no resolution. So you better recognize the tools that are being used and know how to deal with them. Think about this. Research done shows that the uh, leading influencers in American society, leading influencers are television, books, magazines, public policy, family, movies, Internet. What's missing? Church and God are not in the top 25 not in the top 25 of the leading influencers in our country, America, the most quote-unquote Christian nation on the planet, with 400-plus thousand churches across the nation of America, 6,000 first-run theaters, and the theaters 
are recognized to do more to impact this generation than we do. I mean, listen to Bill O'Reilly. He uh, he makes a very interesting statement. The media is the most powerful force in the country. And I think he's accurate. Let me let a non-Christian make a statement to you, former professor at uh, University of Maryland. It is time to recognize that the true tutors of our children are not school teachers or university professors, but filmmakers, advertising executives, and pop culture purveyors. Disney does more than Duke Spielberg outweighs Stanford. MTV trumps MIT. I think he's right on the money, to be honest with you, when you look at the impact that the medium is having. Anybody know who this guy is? Anybody? Anybody? Who? George Lucas. George Lucas, the creator of Star Wars fame. Listen to what he has to say. I thought it was interesting. People in the film industry don't want to accept the responsibility that they had a hand in the way the world is loused up. But for better or worse, the influence of the church. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Isn't that interesting? Mr. Lucas recognizes the power that the church used to have. The power of the church, which used to be all-powerful, has been usurped by film. Film and television tells us the way we conduct our lives, what is right and wrong. Very interesting that even the secular folks understand the power of the media. Why is it so powerful? Well, maybe this is a part of the answer. By the time a child graduates from high school, they'll have watched 22,000 hours of TV, which include 200,000 acts of violence, 11,000 hours of music, 13,000 hours on the Internet, and how many of those hours are attacking the Scripture and Christians and God and the Bible? And by the way, by the way, the average time a child spends in a school system is 900 hours a year. That same child spends 1,064 hours in front of a TV. Yeah, you catch those two numbers? 900 hours in a school, 1,064 in front of a TV. Any gamers in the family? Oh, we're not going there. Yes, we are. 936 hours a year is the average time a gamer spends in front of a video game. Guys are spending more time in front of video games than they are in school. And you don't think there's messages in there. Dr. John Nelson said this, kind of interesting. If 2,888 out of 3,000 studies show that TV violence is a causal factor in real-life mayhem, it's a public health problem. And that's what it does show. 2,888 out of 3,000 studies show that TV violence is impacting the culture. Oh, it's just entertainment. No, it's not. You can dispel that right away. It is absolutely a tool that's having an impact. How about this? Let's just kind of jump in and take a look at examples and talk about them. Uh, let's start with books and magazines. These are the, these are the leading influencers in the culture. I'm not going to do no-brainer stuff, okay? I mean, come on. If you pick up Time, Discover, National Geographic, Scientific American, there's messages in there, and they're, they're definitely trying to get you to think a certain way. I'm not even going to do goofy stuff like Mad Magazine Yes, there is a message that they're trying to communicate. But I want to do something uh, safe tonight. Let me see. Let me see. Yeah, there's some people in here probably who remember this book. Anybody ever read this book? One hand, boom, immediately goes up. A couple of head nods. Remember this. My Little Golden Storybook About God. Talk about safe. Man, this goes back before you were even allowed to smile in church. This is old. Now, let me see a hand. How many have read this? Please, help me, help me, help me. A number of you. How many of you remember the teaching of millions of years in my little golden storybook about God? Anybody? Let me show it to you. 
Look at the stars in the evening sky, so many millions of miles away that the light you see shining left a star long, long years before you were born. Carl, you nitpicker, that does not say millions of years. Nitpicker. Okay, turn the page. Um, think of the snow-capped mountain peaks. Those peaks were crumbling away with age before the first people lived on Earth. Um, you know, one of the things that I do is I'm always saying, look, you better challenge these things. Uh, my hand's going up. Told you, parent, be glad I'm not your child. Because I was the, oh, teachers didn't like me. We'll talk about that more later. But anyway, my hand's going up. Excuse me, excuse me. According to the Word of God, the only one who's always been there, who knows everything, this Christian book ought to know this. Uh, who is the one who knows everything? God, he said that we got land on day, help me out, help me out. Three, thank you very much, yes. Uh, and excuse me, excuse me, according to the Word of God, the only one who's always been there, who knows everything, tells us that we got man on day. Six, thank you very much. Did you know that, that the mountains were already crumbling after three days? Do you think that that's what they're implying in my little golden storybook about God? No, they bought off on the millions of years, period. They just bought off on it. You see... I don't say throw it out. I say teach to critically evaluate it. Ah, but let's go to the safe thing. Let's go to the fun book. Amazing animals, the fastest, heaviest, smallest, largest, fiercest, and funniest animals. Sure, let's go to the fun book. And then let's open it up. And let's take a look at what's on the inside. Anybody seen anything interesting? This is a children's book. And then let's take a look at this over here. That's why we're going to talk about this in the second session. Over many millions of years, the animals on earth have adapted and changed to the forms we know today. The same is true for human beings. What? Oh, by the way, one of the pictures that they use inside this book that I use quite a bit now is this one right here. Because you've got to understand, church, when we use these pictures, we are falling prey to the world's attack. They use it to mock us. We use it to fall prey. <laughs> this is inaccurate. That's not what God said. We got some young folks in here. Okay, young folks, help me out. This is a young folk question. What is the top selling comic book over the last 20 years? Let me help you. It's none of those. None of those. Top-selling comic book over the last 20 years. Anybody? Please do not say Archie. That's a girl comic book, man. Jughead, Veronica, Love Triangles. Come on. When you read a comic book, you don't read it for Love Triangles. You're reading it for action. This is an action comic. What's a top-selling comic book? Anybody? What's that? It's not Superman. This is, what's that? Spider-Man? He's up there. It is X-Men. Hello, any of you seen any of the X-Men movies, please? Come on. Guys, X-Men, hands down, is the top-selling comic book over the last 20 years. Now, I'm going to share with you how shallow... Check, check. Yeah. I'm going to share with you how shallow I really am. This is a photograph of a very special day in my life. Show some grace, please, to the weaker vessel. I went to my buddy's house, and he has the original 
X-Men number one, Fantastic Four number one, Avengers number one, Spider-Man number one, and Daredevil number one, and the Captain America shield. Yeah, it was cool. You don't care. It was a big day. It was a big day, man. And, and he had the replica original Iron Man mask. Oh, yeah. Hoo-hoo, moonwalk, baby. It was a cool day. All right, I'm shallow. But anyway, X-Men turned into some really amazing movies, really well done. Um, but do you know what they taught? By the way, go back and read the original X-Men, and you're going to find a very interesting phrase. Homo superior. They were no longer homo sapien. They were homo superior. Huh. What's that got to do with anything? By the way, have you ever heard of Columbine? Mr. Klebold, Mr. Harris went into the school and killed their peers. Do you understand that they love video on why they were doing what they were doing. And one of them had a t-shirt on, the Red Natural Selection. And in their videos, they talked about how they were killing off the inferior. They had evolved to a higher level. Guys, they were consistent with their worldview. I'm not saying they were right, but they were consistent with their worldview. Think about this for a second. X-Men, how did the X-Men, the mutants... How did they get their powers? Anybody remember? Nobody remember? Take a listen. Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. So that's how they got their power, evolution, mutation. By the way, can you talk to your child, your grandchild, to the world at large? Does mutation actually lead to this? Would mutation lead to the point that uh, a scale is going to turn into a feather? Or you're going to get some of these powers? That's not what mutation does. Mutation takes existing information, rearranges it, or destroys it. We talked about this last night at the apologetics forum. It doesn't take and create something new. It loses or rearranges. That's all it really does. So that mechanism doesn't really work. Uh, By the way, what do they mean by this, that every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward? I think the last time I was here, I talked on uh, the fossil record, and I showed you phylogenetic charts. Anybody remember? Last time I was here, didn't I show the phylogenetic charts and everything? Let's go back to that phylogenetic chart from those of you that were here last year. This is what they were talking about in X-Men. Every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Take a look. This is the chart showing you start with a couple of lizards. Give it enough time, you get all the different dinosaurs. Anybody remember what we talked taught about this? Anybody remember? What does the red stuff mean? Red stuff is fact. Red stuff is evidence. Tinted areas indicate solid fossil evidence. So what do the facts actually show? That an apatosaur was always an apatosaur. Ankylosaur always ankylosaur. Pachycephalosaur was always a pachycephalosaur. Now notice this band down here, that yellow band. That's 30 million years of time according to the evolutionary model. I don't believe it, but this is what they teach. And by the way, we should know it better than the world. Don't run and hide. So, 30 million years, things are changing left, right, all over, like crazy, every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. That's exactly what they're talking about. 
So in order to explain the fossil record, which does not support slow, gradual processes of one thing turning into another, because if it did, you wouldn't have white, you would have, but you don't have red, because there's no evidence. So how do you explain it? Every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. So it happens so quickly, we don't have the evidence. And then it quits changing for 70, 150 million years? No. 300, 400 million years, because we find things in the fossil record that they date three, 400 million years old and it hasn't changed. How about this? It's not 400 million years old. Same evidence, different interpretation. You see, guys, that's what they're talking about. That section right there, they're trying to explain why they don't find the evidence. By the way, by the way, X-Men, let's continue just a second. There are two groups of mutants, Right? You have the good mutants, quote-unquote, and you have the bad mutants, quote-unquote. Why are the good mutants good? Okay, um, hello? Questions require responses here? Yes? Um, they are homo superior, but they don't think you need to kill them off. Just peacefully coexist. It's kind of like with superior power, you know, with extra power comes extra responsibility. No, that's Spider-Man. But anyway, they've evolved these higher powers, so they say, hey, because we have these higher powers, we protect the inferior. Why are the bad mutants bad? They want to kill off the people. By the way, the bad mutants are the Darwinist. Think about it. One of the statements that they make, there is no species on this planet that protects the inferior. The superior demolish the inferior. They are the Darwinist. Uh, you think you can't have some conversations about that? The ramifications of a belief system about where you come from, and if you believe that you come from slow gradual processes over millions of years, it's going to have implications on the way that you live your life. Versus God created you and I in his image, fearfully, wonderfully made, literally knit together in a mother's womb. That has implications on the way that we treat people around us that look different, that we may not like. Yeah, there's ways to do that. How about this? How about this? Nope, not that. We're going to switch to another thing. We're going to go from uh, that. Let's do something safe here. You ready? This is safe. This is really safe. I hear the groans. I know, talking about Andy Griffith is like, you're stepping on thin ice, baby. Don't mess with Andy. I love Andy Griffith, okay? It's one of my favorites. I have great fond memories of Andy Griffith. I mean, Barney Fife, he's the best. I love Barney Fife. But even in, you know, I hear this a lot. We need to go back to the good old days. Uh, sorry, there are no good old days. When you go back and watch the original stuff, there are messages even in there. I'm talking about even the stuff that I loved, the 1968 Batman. Adam West with the cool original Batmobile. That's what I'm talking about. This new stuff, get that out of here. Adam West was Batman. That's it. Done. You don't need anything new. Bat he's it. There were messages even in there. All right? Gilligan's Island, hello, anybody, anybody? We don't want to talk about it. There's messages in there. But Andy Griffith, this episode, Opie finds a stray dog, brings it into the jail. 
and they've got an inspection coming, so they got to get the dog out of there. So they take the dog out, they come back in, there's two dogs. They get those dogs out, they come out, there's even more. You remember the episode? Now the place is filled with dogs. The inspectors come in, they got to get the dogs out. Finally, they get all of the dogs out. And then this happens. I'm worried about him, Pa. Well, oh, look, Ope, what were dogs a million years ago? Come on, Barney, Barney. Million years coming from Barney? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way, by the way, I found this interesting. Andy Griffith, the first movie that he made. Any movie buffs in here know the first movie that Andy Griffith made? What's that? It's called A Face in the Crowd. Andy Griffith actually played a bad guy. He was an alcoholic, nasty guy, but he had charisma. He could manipulate people. So people saw the power and put him on TV, and they used him to manipulate people. Andy Griffith said, he wrote later, that he would never do another role where he played a bad guy because when he did this, it changed. it, it, it just changed him in real life playing the bad guy, so he he never played any bad guys anymore. Listen to what they say about the power of the medium of television. But my study of history has convinced me that in every strong and healthy society from the Egyptians on, the mass had to be guided with a strong hand by a responsible elite. Let us not forget that in TV we have the greatest instrument for mass persuasion in the history of the world. And this was before he was nice, Andy. Very interesting. Now, I'm not going to talk about Animal Planet because that's my favorite channel. I like it. I love it. I do. I love the animals. I love all the cool design features. But when you turn that channel on, you need to turn the audio down. If you turn the audio up, they're coming after you with a very focused message. So uh, not going to go there. But, yeah, I'll do this one. How about this one? Sorry. I don't watch it. Are there messages in it? Oh, yes, there are messages. By the way, by the way, think about this. On a television program today, can you name, not an individual, but a character on a television show today that is a Christian? Anybody? What's that? Ned Flanders is the most commonly one I get, but are there any others? I'm asking because I don't know, and I, I need to go do research to try and update this. What Christian character is there on a TV show today? Yeah, Who? The main, the main character from Bones. Okay. Catholic, okay. I'm going to have to go look it up. Okay. I've not seen the show. People think when I do this, oh, you must do nothing but watch television and movies. No, I don't. I get the clips from y'all. <laughs> I get people sending me this stuff. Hey, you got to watch this. Cool, I'll go get the clip. I've not seen it. Well, this is how Christians are depicted on Simpsons. Here's the Christian taking his children to the museum, and look what happens when he's confronted with the evidence for evolution. How does the Christian respond? He runs and hides and tries to keep his children. By the way, by the way, you won't hear that from me because you know what I'm going to tell you? You need to start leading tours through your local zoo, through your local museum, through your local aquarium. Seattle must have a museum, does it not? 
Your tax dollars pay for it, so why aren't you in there leading towards from a biblical perspective? Here's what the world says. Here's what the Word of God says. Here's what we actually see. Make a decision. Make an informed decision, though. I don't run and hide from those places. I run to them. I love leading towards through the Smithsonian, through Denver Museum of Natural History, through London Museum of Natural History. I'm over there at least every other year. Come on down. Let's go. We'll go into Charlie D's backyard. I'm not afraid of it. Let's go. We need to do that. Not running and hiding. So, watch this response. Excuse me, how can you put up an exhibit on the origin of man and not have one mention of the Bible? Oh, we do. So Christians are old, outdated, squeaky, what a fool believes. So Ned Flanders takes it to his pastor. They're going to stand up against this injustice. They're telling people we're descended from a pack of apes, even though there's nothing about it in the Bible. Ned, you've got to take this thing with a grain of salt. I mean, (laughs) come on. So the pastor is, you got to take this thing, the Bible, with a grain of salt. Come on. By the way, the pastor does see the light. He comes around. You know why? The church down the street, there was a controversy. They got more people to come in. They got more tithes. So you get more money with controversy. So we'll get involved in the controversy. Then we can get the padded pews like the church down the... Yeah, money hungry, money grubbing. So that's how Christians are depicted in the culture. By the way, my question is, what are we doing to overcome that stereotype? By disappearing Monday through Saturday when we walk out of here? That is the picture of Christianity. Russell Crowe's Noah. Anybody see it? Anybody? Anybody? Don't it? Okay. Exodus of God and Kings. Anybody see it? Anybody? 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 Guess what? Millions of people did see it. Guess what? Millions of people that are biblically illiterate went and watched it, and that is now the Bible. What are you and I doing to show them that there's another way? You got rock monsters building the ark and Russell Crowe's Noah? Let's talk about it. This is what God said he actually did. See, if you've got answers to those issues, you can have conversations. And you can use that medium as a springboard to teach the truth. But right now, we have a biblically illiterate culture. And they don't know how to even deal with that issue. Okay, how about this? How about this? Let's see. We're going to go on to uh, movies. I'm not going to do science fiction. I'm not going to do science fiction. That's a whole nother talk. I call science fiction a bridge to unbelief. You watch early sci-fi, there was always an intertwining of God and evolution or millions of years. Always intertwined. Why? How do you get a culture that was Judeo-Christian, Bible-believing to where we are today? That's a big chasm. You don't do it in one fell swoop. You know what you do? A couple gradual steps. How about this? Culture that believes God created the way that he said that he did in his word... Perfect creation, man blew it, sin came into the world, by sin, death. Oh, no, 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 no. God used millions of years to get to where we are today. So, therefore, the wages of sin is in death because, well, death has been around for a long time. And so, God is responsible for death and suffering. No God. Let's be honest. This God, death and suffering, if that's a God that use that process to get to where we are, he's a nasty guy. I want nothing to do with him. 
But by the way, that's not this God that's given to us in the Word. It's a bridge to unbelief. Now, here's a, anybody know who that is? Oh, do you know one of the first things that the dictator Stalin, Lenin, Hitler did when they came into power? They took control of the movies. They knew the power of them. I mean, of all arts, us, for us, cinema is the most important. They, they approved the movies. They approved the script. And by the way, even if they approved it, when the movie came out and they didn't like it, the guy that made it was killed. Not a good place to be a movie maker back in the day. Because if you made a bad one, you were dead. So, have movies had an impact? Anybody got a guess as to a movie back when I was a child? I'm 53. Um, that is credited with having a major impact on the whole Greenpeace movement, environmental movement. What movie could that have been? Born Free? Good guess. Bambi. The year before Bambi came out, deer hunters spent $9.5 million on all their toys. The year after deer, uh, Bambi came out, deer hunters spent $4.1 million on their toys. Bambi is credited with doing a major, doing major damage to the deer hunting industry and getting the whole environmental mindset going forward. My generation, I grew up on it. Now, why do I do this talk? Um, because after I became a Christian, my children were probably seven or eight, right in that age range, when I found a movie, it was a VHS. You know what I'm talking about? The younger generation doesn't have a clue, okay? It was about like this thick, and it was like a rectangle, and you had to rewind it when you were done, okay? Uh, it was a tape, and yeah. There was a lot of problems. Well, I found a VHS of my favorite video movie when I was a child. Maybe you guys remember this one. Don Knotts. I told you. I love Don Knotts. The Incredible Mr. Limpet. Anybody? Anybody? Come on. This was my favorite movie growing up. I loved Don Knotts. And they worked in the animation with the real... I mean, I just... I loved that. All right? I'm, I'm a geek. Um, I bring it home. I put it in the VHS. We're going to have a family night watching the movies tonight with the kids. Thirteen minutes into The Incredible Mr. Limpet is like, whoa, what up? You have got to stop and talk. you got to understand, Don Knotts was a squirrely guy. He always played a squirrely guy. But he's a squirrely guy who loves fish. He comes home and his best friend is there. And his best friend is like, hey, let's go do this. And Don Knotts' wife is like, yeah. And Don Knotts is like, no. Well, let's go do this. Best friend's like, yeah. Wife's like, yeah. Don Knotts like, no. And so he doesn't want to do anything. All he wants to do is hang out with his fish. And finally, his buddy is like, what is wrong with you and these fish? And so what does Don Knotts do when he's confronted with what's up with you and these fish? He goes over and he pulls down the chart. Oh, yeah, we got to stop and talk. Do you see the chart? Do you know what the chart is? Slow gradual processes, over millions of years, worm turns into us. And then Don Knotts says this. Well, I've given it a lot of thought, George. A lot of thought. George, do you realize that our ancestors were fish? Oh, stop the film, we gotta talk. And I did. And then we started it again. George, I'm not joking. 
I can explain. He sure can, George. He's read hundreds of scientific books on the subject. He claims millions of years ago there was nothing but fish in the world. That's right. And then, you see, some of those ancient creatures, they became amphibians. And they crawled out on the land, you see. And then millions of years later, they became men. Stop the film. <laughs> we gotta talk. I didn't catch any of this when I was a young person. It just just went by me. As a Christian, though, when I saw this, like, whoa, hold up. It got to the point where my children were like, Dad, you're no fun. We're not watching movies with you anymore. So I had to change the way that I did business. We wouldn't stop the movie. We would watch the movie on this condition. When we were done watching, we were talking. And if we didn't talk after we watched, we didn't watch. After about six months of doing that, it was, it was amazing because my children were catching things that I didn't catch, and we were having great conversations. Did you catch that piece? How does that apply to this? And what does that mean over here? I loved it. My son now has his own ministry, Apollo, uh, Apollo Media. If any of you have young folks that are in the game realm, check his website out. He's got great material on there. His book and his DVD are out there. Guys, it's, it's an important ministry because his tagline is educating parents reaching gamers. Parents are always like, and grandparents are always like, you need, you need to talk to my children. And I'm like, no, he needs to talk to you because you're the one that allows that stuff in the house. You need to know what's going on in that realm. Apollo game, uh, Apollo media, Apollo media.com. So they finally get Don Knotts out of the house. And guess what? They get him down to Coney Island. And the whole time he's going down to Coney Island, he's on the subway. He's reading a book. He's got this book. He gets down there. Look at the theory, the title of the book, The Theory of Reverse Evolution. Now, understand this. Everybody's been laughing at Don Knotts. He's a goof. He believes in evolution. But he's right. Because watch what happens. He prays. Well, it's a Disney prayer. Even though this is not a Disney movie, it's a Disney prayer. I wish, I wish, I wish I were a fish. And then the angel starts singing. And he falls into the ocean. And watch as he goes through the theory of reverse evolution. Everybody's laughing at Don, but he's right. Watch. You'll see the book falling down behind him in just a second. I caught none of this. When I was a young person, until the radar got, see the book? Don Knotts was right. Does it allow me to talk about things? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. How about this? Anybody see this movie? Fantastic Four? Fantastic. Oh, got a hands going up. Yes, evolution is in there. But I want to talk about something a little bit different. Not just the evolution. That's in there. According to the movie, this guy and this lady, they used to date, but they broke up years before. Anybody remember why they broke up? I was ready for the next step. You weren't. Ergo, I walked. I think it was a little bit more complicated than that. I just wanted to share an apartment. Um, did you catch that? So why did they break up? She was ready for the next step. He wasn't. The next step was, I just wanted to share an apartment. I mean, what's the big deal? Parent, grandparent, you don't think there's a morality getting jammed down this generation's throat? Oh, there's a morality getting jammed down this generation's throat. Listen to Lindsay Lohan. Listen to what she says about a TV show and movies. 
My mom is going to kill me for sleep, uh, speaking about sleeping with people, but I don't want to put myself in the position where I'm in a monogamous relationship right now. I'm not dating just one person. Sex in the city changed everything for me because those girls would sleep with so many people. That's a television show and movies. You don't think it's impacting a morality? Scarlett Johansson. Oh, there's somebody that ought to know. I do think on some basic level we are animals, and by instinct we kind of breed accordingly. You don't think that there's a morality getting jammed down this generation's throat. Come with me on the road to some of the youth groups that I'm speaking in. It'll scare you. It scares me. This is... How old are you? I was bad. I was bad. I wrecked three cars from drunk driving, okay? I should be dead or in jail. Drugs, you name it, I did it. These are kids doing stuff that I didn't do. Blows your mind. How about this? Anybody see this movie? Anybody? Anybody? Uh-huh, uh-huh. This is 90 minutes of a waste of a man's life right here. Just being honest, just being honest. It's 90 minutes of a waste of a man's life. There are only two reasons that a man would go watch this movie. Number one, he's dating. And when we are dating, we do dumb things like watch girly love movies. Just being honest, okay? Number two, you're married and your wife is mad at you and you're trying to make up. Okay, that's it. That's the only two reasons I can think of. Now, I didn't watch this movie. I told you, I don't watch most of this stuff. But my son watched it. He was not married at the time. So guess what? He was dating. He came back to me and he said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. And he tells me what he caught in Enchanted. Now, be honest. Raise your hand. Who caught this? Anybody? Or who watched this? Anybody? This is typically guys. No, no, no. Guys never admit that. Oh, maybe you're dating. That's okay if you're dating. Guys never admit that they watch this, okay? I'm just teaching you, okay? Learn. I'm old. All right? So here we go. For those of you that did not see Enchanted, it's another mixture between cartoon world and real world. And in the cartoon world, you've got the princess and the prince and the prince's uh, mother who's a wicked witch. And is, Now, this is a family movie, so stick with me here. The, pr- the wicked witch is the mother of the prince who's engaged to the princess, but the wicked witch doesn't like the princess, so she kicks the princess out into the real world. And in the real world, she meets the divorce guy who's engaged to... This is a family movie? Well, the prince loves the princess so much that he goes to the real world because he wants to find the princess and bring her back. But when he gets there, he realizes that she's in love with the divorced guy. So he realizes that he loves her, she loves him. And now, the moral. They go back to cartoon world and what happens? Come on, you saw the movie. What happens? Oh, this isn't the one that you saw? When they go back to cartoon world, they get married and live happily ever after. What a moral story. What a sweet moral story. Notice the way they depict the Christian. Notice the way they depict the Christian. So they get married and live happily ever after. Uh, Did you catch the pastor, quote unquote? Did Did you catch the way they depicted him? Looks like he came from Kentucky. Hey, I can say that. I live in Kentucky. And by the way, I love it in Kentucky. And there are very smart people in Kentucky. All right? Now, for those of you that didn't see the movie, guess what? This is what my son caught. He said, Dad, 
Fairy tale, you get married and live happily ever after. Real world, you don't get married. You just move in and live happily ever after. Because watch this. When they show them living together, they're not married. He said, look at her hand, Dad. This is my dad. My son caught this. He said, look at his hand. So fairy tale world, get married, live happily ever after. Real world, you just move in together and live happily ever after. Marriage, uh, that's just fairy tale. Am I telling you that that's what they're teaching? No. Am I telling you that's what the world is teaching? Yes. Is it a springboard for me to be able to talk to this generation that there is another standard? Yes. If you're going to watch these things, teach your children to critically evaluate. Now, my favorite when I was a young man was Spider-Man. Now, why did Spider-Man get his powers? Got bit by a spider. Duh. What kind of a spider was it? What? Radioactive. That's old school. No. When I was a young man, radioactive was the way that it happened because they had a cool song. Is he strong? I won't sing for you, but I'll give you the lyrics. Is he strong? Listen, bub. He had radioactive blood. I mean, any song that had bub in it is cool to a 13-year-old boy. All right? They changed the spider in the movie. He's no longer radioactive. Why? They took away the cool song. Because in the 1950s, early 60s, when they were making these characters up, what was the mechanism to cause mutation to get these special powers? Radiation. Radiation causes mutation. Does radiation cause you to get a special power? Oh, no. (laughs) Radiation kills you. It will mess you up. So they've learned a lot over the years. So they can't have radiation being the mechanism because it destroys So they needed a new mechanism. So they genetically enhanced the spider. They took existing information from five different spiders, put it together into one, and then that spider bit Spider-Man in the movie. By the way, they took existing information, used a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of intelligence to put that existing information into a single spider. That's intelligent design. That doesn't support evolution. That's taking existing information and manipulating it. That's not what you need to turn a worm into a fish to crawl out into the land to become an amphibian. Totally different process. Okay? Um, so, Spider-Man, evolution in, in the first Spider-Man. Yeah, the very first one definitely had it. And uh, I'll just play it. 40,000 years of evolution and we barely even tapped the vastness of human potential. <sighs> Spider-Man. You know, as a young man, I always wanted spider sense. I thought spider sense would be like the best tool going. Think about it. You're walking home. You're about to open the door. Ooh, mama's mad. I'm out of here. It wouldn't help me that much because mama was mad at me a lot because I was a bonehead kid. Okay? And I'm 53 and I've got to face the facts. I'm never going to get spider sense. It's a sad day. But I've learned this. There's something better than spider sense. It's called Bible sense. See, God gave us his word. He said that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He has given it to us so that as we go through life, we've got this spotlight. We're free to go down there, but know this. There's consequences to, the, the, to those decisions. Bible sense is much better than spider sense. But the average American child spends 900 hours a year in a school being taught to think like the world, to act like the world, then we wonder why they go to the world. That same child spends 1,064 hours of sitting in front of a television set. 
than 936 hours playing a video game. So the world has come after this younger generation, and they use Finding Nemo, Lilo and Stitch, Incredibles, Bob the Builder, of which every one of them have messages in there that are against the Bible. Every one of them. So the world used Finding Nemo, Lilo and Stitch, and the Incredibles, all right? And then we in the church, forgive me, I'm a weaker vessel. We want to go after this generation that's been raised on Finding Nemo, and so you know what we do? We break out the flannel graph. You think you're going to reach a generation raised on Finding Nemo using flannel graph? I'm not opposed to flannel graph. It's a mentality. It's a mentality. This younger generation doesn't think the way that we do. They have a 2.2 second attention span. Slap some flannel graph on a board and it's like, what? I'm just being honest with you. You want to reach this generation? You don't water down. I don't think you'll ever see me water anything down. But you deliver it straight and you better pick up the presentation of the gospel with it. It's just the way that it is. We got to teach a generation to get their radar turned on. You see, I, I put it to you like this. 900 hours a year, 936, 1,064. This generation is being trained to look at the world from a very specific perspective. They have their own spider sense, so to speak. They think they know Christians because they've seen us on Family Guy, Simpsons, Desperate Housewives, Law and Order. Neat, neat, neat. It's kind of like, uh, have any of you ever seen like the Terminator movie? Anybody, anybody? That Terminator character was programmed to do one specific thing. He saw things in a very specific manner. I don't care what came in. It was programmed to do one thing, and nothing was going to get it to deviate. I'm going to suggest to you that we have a generation that has not Terminator vision. they got worldly vision because they've been trained by the world to think like the world. And so here we go. We go out there, and we break out the Bible, and we say, Hey, God loves you. has a wonderful plan for your life. And they look at us, and they think what? Christians? Are you kidding me? They're not very bright. Ask them a question. They don't have answers. they got their opinions. What makes your book any better than their book? Uh, uh, don't worry about that. That's a side issue. God loves you. has a wonderful plan for your life. We show them the Bible. Do you know what they see? That's an old, outdated book. It's filled with fairy tales and fables. You can't trust that thing. Am I saying that's right? No. I'm just telling you that's the way they've been trained. God loves you. has a wonderful plan for your life. There it is. Let's bring out that big evangelism gun. Guys, hear my heart. God loves us so much that while we were yet sinners, he died on a cross while we were spitting on him. There's not a thing we can do to deserve that love. Nothing. But this generation doesn't get it. Why? Come stand on the street corner with me. Let's go downtown Seattle. God loves you. What's the response you're going to get? Come with me to Japan. 166,000 gods in Japan. Which one? You think our culture is any better? He loves you. Do you think this culture knows what love is? Hello, I just wanted to take our relationship to the next level. I just wanted to share an apartment. That's not love. That's lust. But that's how it's depicted in our culture. They don't know love. If you don't know God, you can't know love. Oh, he's got a wonderful plan. We have inoculated a generation from listening to that because they've been trained to look at the world through the lens of millions of years of death and suffering. Tell them about a God of love. I don't see a God of love. All I see are millions of years of death and suffering. What kind of a loving God would do that? 
The only thing that makes sense to this culture, I'm not saying it's right. Your life. You bet it's my life. Don't impose your values on me. You see, I think we need to get our vision switched a little bit. Because what I see in the church many times is when we engage the lost and they start asking questions, I see a church that can't give an answer for the reason for the hope that lies within them, and then it gets into an argument and name-calling. I'm talking about me. I feel the hair on the back of my neck go up. It's time to shut up and go home, Carl, because I'm in the flesh. When I feel that, I'm done. I'm, not, I'm no longer in the spirit. I'm in the flesh. I'm not chucking stones at you. I'm preaching to me. We need to get to the point when we look at the lost, we want to encourage them to ask questions. I don't see that in the church. The church I was raised in, good boys don't ask those questions. Children are to be seen and not heard. That's what I was raised with. I rejected it all. I was in the world. Because I was just raised with box checking, rules, and ritual. means nothing. Those whatabouts, do you know what they truly are? Those are truly opportunities to show this generation... Oh, I'm not Family Guy. I'm not Simpsons. I'm not Desperate Housewives. I'm the guy that loves you enough that I'm going to study to show myself approved. I'm going to get an answer for the reason for the hope that lies within me. And I'm going to answer your question to the best of my ability. And if I don't have an answer, I'll go study and I'll get back at you. And you know what that does? It breaks down the wall to where they might. We don't convict or convert. They might listen to the gospel of Jesus Christ. But most importantly, whether they do it or not, I am being obedient to what God has commanded me to do. Terminator 1 movie. Was the Terminator character a good guy or a bad guy? Bad guy. Terminator 2, was the Terminator character a good guy or a bad guy? Good guy. What happened? What made him change? He was reprogrammed. 900 hours a year. 1,064 9.36. This is an interesting quote from Barna. He says this, The vast majority of Christians do not behave differently because they do not think differently, and they do not think differently because we have never trained them, equipped them, or held them accountable to do so. They have been programmed to see things in a very specific manner. What are you and I doing to overcome that reprogramming? That's what I try to do with all my talks. Let's reprogram a generation to start looking at the world through the lens of God's word and allowing that to be our authority, our starting point, and our standard. Good things happen when you teach them how to think, not what to think. This is a commercial. Anybody know what product is being advertised? This message of evolution is everywhere. It's in milk commercials, gum commercials, Car commercials, skiing commercials, razor commercials. Anybody know what product is being advertised? This is a beer commercial. A beer commercial. But I reversed the beer commercial. In the original beer commercial, the three guys you're going to see here, uh, it starts off with those three guys in a bar. They take a drink of a beer, then they devolve back to the point that they're a mudskipper. Now... May I make a very important point this evening? If you drink anything that makes you devolve to the point that you're like a mudskipper, you ought not to drink it. I'm just saying, okay? 
So, this message of evolution is so prevalent, I think we have to go at it head on. There's no sense in running and hiding from it. Uh, so I call this, what about human evolution? There's only two ways we got here. Number one, God said. God said. God said that he created. In the beginning, he created. And if he created the way that he said that he did, hmm, then that's one of the ways we got here. And what did he, oh, by the way, I said God said. Don't run by that phrase. That little two-word phrase is very important. Do you, do you know how many times God said is used in the scripture? 46. People tell me that Genesis isn't important. Of those 46 times that God said is used, 28 of them take place in Genesis. Do you understand Genesis is written as historical narrative? It is not written as fairy tale, fable, allegory, analogy. It is written as historical narrative. Matter of fact, Jesus Christ, our master, our rabbi, quoted Genesis 25 times. And every time he quoted it, he quoted it as real history. If I can't trust Genesis, why should I trust John? Do you understand that the Bible, over 3,000 times, claims to be the Word of God? It doesn't claim to be a good book. It's the Word of God. God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You and I, every person on this planet is created in the image of God. Do you know that's where your value comes from? Think about this for a second. Think about this. Suicide is the number three killer of our teenagers here in America. It's the number two killer of teenagers in Canada. I was in Tanzania, Africa last year. Suicide is not the number three or number two killer of their teenagers. It's not. And they don't have anything like what we have. Dar el Salaam, the capital city of, uh, of uh, Tanzania, every stoplight, stop sign you come to, there are one-legged men begging. Every st- I mean, multiple. The guy that was driving me around, he was watching me. He was setting me up. And uh, after 20 minutes or so, he says, so uh, are you wondering why there's so many one-legged men? I said, yeah. He said, what do you think? I said, stepping on landmines? War? No. In Dar al Salaam, if you're a male and you're riding a motorcycle and you have an accident and break your leg, they don't set your leg, they amputate your leg because there's too many motorcycle riders in the city and they're trying to get rid of them. So they create a whole herd of beggars because they don't want motorcycle riders. Suicide is not the number three killer of the teenager of their teenagers. Why? I'm going to suggest to you that our world has been duped. We have been duped into thinking that our value comes from how pretty are you? How talented are you? How smart are you? Something that you bring to the plate. Young ladies, especially, hear me, please. This is not mean-spirited. You're being lied to. Young lady walks in, sits down. They start doing the makeup. They start doing the hair. They take the photograph. And then they start working the magic. If you think your value is based on how pretty you are compared to a billboard or a magazine, you cannot, will not ever measure up. Gentlemen, you think your value is based on how well you throw a ball, catch a ball, kick a ball? What happens when you can't throw a ball, catch a ball, kick a ball anymore? So your value is no more? Hello? Young ladies, this is a lie. America, the most Christian nation on the planet, spends a billion, that's a B, billion dollars a year for plastic surgery. Why? To look like what doesn't even exist. We've been duped. Our value is based on, guys, I'm telling you right now, you don't think this is a piece? Come to me in the church and you're going to see young ladies trying to look like 
Every youth group that I speak to, every, without exception, I've got young people, not just ladies anymore, men as well, cutting, physical issues with uh, the eating disorders, and self-mutilization issues. It's like, what is going on with our culture? Hey, look, Satan's busy. He's alive. He's real. He's deceiving. And if your value is based on how well you look compared to that, I'm sorry. I'm not denigrating her in any way, shape, or form. But what you see on the billboard is not what you see in the real world. Where does that come from? Well, over the course of 14 billion years, hydrogen gas transformed itself. If this history is true, then guess what? Where does your value come from? How pretty are you? How talented are you? What do you have to offer? Oh, no. That's not what God said. God said he created you in his image and he loved you while you were spitting on him enough to die for you. There's your value. Nothing you can do to earn that. Not a thing. So, you got these two histories. What does the evidence support? Well, that's a decision you have to make, but let me at least help you to make an informed decision. Mr. Crottenmaker wrote an article in USA Today where he said this, Do religious believers really want the truth of their faith wagered on an attempt to prove that countless scientists have somehow botched their reading of the fossil record? I would pray that after you hear me speak, you would go study for yourself, and then you would join me in a resounding yes, because you know what the record actually has, and you're not afraid of it. You shouldn't be. You don't need to be. He continues on, creationist. Now, I am one, but I was not born one, and I was not raised one. The church that I was raised in never taught me anything about creation. Never. I was 26 years old till I got saved, and I was 28 before I heard anything about God creating I wasn't raised one. I came to it because somebody challenged me to go study for myself. That's what I'm doing to you tonight. Don't trust me. I'm a Christian. I could be wrong. Ultimately, are not interested in science. Excuse me. Not so. Not so. Go to an 1828 dictionary. Type in the word science. Go to a modern-day dictionary. Look at the definition for science. The only reason that they can say that we don't like science is because they have redefined the term. What gives them the right to redefine the term? 400,000 churches across the nation of America that Monday through Saturday disappear in the culture. That's what gives them the right. Now watch this. And setting aside preconceptions and following trails of observable, evidence, or logical, testable conclusions. When we do that, when we set aside our preconceived ideas and just look at the evidence, is it going to lead us to walking with cavemen or is it going to lead us to in the beginning God? That's a decision that you have to make for yourself. But let's take a look at some of the actual evidence so that you can at least decide if you want to go study some more. I told you I like leading tours through uh, London Museum of Natural History and other museums. This is London Museum of Natural History. This is the Hall of Human Origins. That hallway right there is about as wide as this right here, this uh, part of the sanctuary. It's about that wide. And it's probably eight times as long. I love leading tours through there. There's one thing, one thing that we have to deal with, and it's easy to deal with. Won't have time to deal with it tonight, but uh, sales. It is on the DVD out there. Sorry, I'm not trying to be a salesperson but I can only deal with one to get you out of here on time. If you want to stay over, I'm glad to stay over and go through it with you. I'm, I'm here, but you all got to get home whenever you got to get home. Here's one of the newest things, okay? So we're going to start with something a little bit more recent. It's called The Link. Anybody remember seeing this show a few years ago? The Link. Her name was Ida. Nobody saw this show? Oh, this was big news. I'm telling you, she got her picture on Google. 
If you get your picture on Google, you're big time. And the headlines were absolutely terrifying. Missing link found. What are you going to do, Carl? We found the link. People were happy. Scientists unveil missing link in evolution. What are you going to do? You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to their website because from here on out, I'm not using not one Christian or creationist resource. It's all theirs. Teach them how to think, not what to think. Break their stuff down. This is their website. By the way, by the way, uh, the name of the show was The Link. They also had a book that came out at the same time. Do you know what the title of the book was? The Link. Yeah. Yeah, you heard about that. They even had a T-shirt. You know what the T-shirt said? Yeah, you heard about that. Uh, They even had plush dolls that you could buy of Ida. Yeah, plush doll. Ida. Oh, the website. Do you know what the URL is for the website? That was already taken. It's actually revealing the link.com. Now, why would I do that to you? Because I want you to go and look for yourself. Don't trust me. I'm a Christian. I could be wrong. When you get there, oh, there's scary stuff. The link uncovering our earliest ancestor. This picture will probably be pictured in the textbooks for the next hundred years. Oh, this was big. Looky here. When our results are published, it will be just like an asteroid hitting the earth. This fossil rewrites our understanding of the history of the primates. We are in so much trouble. What are we going to do? We're going to look at the observational evidence. We're going to set aside our preconceived ideas, and we're going to see where the actual evidence goes. So we push on this cool button right here, from Ida to us, and the chart pops up. Voila. Look, Carl, you start here with Ida. Given enough time, right circumstances, you get people. By the way, give me three and a half hours of your life, and I will go through all 17 of the supposed, not here, but the ancestors that you see when you go to the Smithsonian Museum of natural history and into the hall of human origins. I will go through all 17 of them. What did they find? How did they reconstruct it? You should be able to do it. It's not complex. It's easy. We're only going to deal with that one. Ida. Okay? You want to go through the rest? We can. So here we go. Now, anything that comes out of England dealing with evolution... Sir David Attenborough has his voice as a minimum in it. Because Sir David has a great voice. He really does. I love his voice. I wish I had Sir David's voice. It's really good. I mean, he's got a little video on there. So let's press that. Just take a little clip from his video. Now people can say, okay, you say we're, we're, we're primates, like monkeys and apes, uh, and that we came from very... Uh, simple generalized uh, mammals show us the link the link they would have said until now is missing Uh, well it is no longer missing well i guess we can finish up early because sir david has spoken and if uh, sir david says it's not missing we're done he is the official voice of evolution from the bbc sorry i don't operate like that We're going to deal with it. By the way, do you know that Sir David just made a very startling admission to you? Do you know what he just admitted to you? What's that? Thank you very much. Critical thinker, look at that. The link they would have said until now is missing. Well, it is no longer missing. What does that mean about all the other links up until that point? Get rid of Edith, they got nothing. That's according to Sir David. Hmm, 
Okay, makes my job real easy. Let's get rid of Ida. Now we can deal with another one, but we won't. I want you to listen carefully. Um, what was the name of the show again? Oh, okay. Uh, the book? Uh, the, the, the shirt? The website? Just making sure you got it. Because I want you to go home with it. Now, uh, listen carefully because I'm not the kind of guy that you like watching television shows with. My children are still like, okay, Dad, tone it down. Because I like make noises. When I'm watching the TV shows and they say things, I like make noises. And I, I, I want to buy one of those sponge bricks. You know what I'm talking about? So that when they say these things, you can throw the brick at the TV and it doesn't hurt the TV. You know, I want one of those sponge bricks, man, because that's me. Did you hear that? Brick it. So I make these weird noises as I'm watching TV. Let me see if you kind of like me. This next clip is a montage. You know what I'm talking about? All right? I took a bunch of snippets and put it together. And take a listen to see if anything sounds interesting to you. What was the name of the show again? Oh, okay. The team thinks they believed it could shed new light on human evolution. She seems to be a bit of both. This could be it. It could help science. Could everyone on the planet be connected to this amazing find? Could hold the clue to link Ida to man. Could reveal her ancient behavior. It could shine a light deeper into our history than ever before. Could show whether it's a link to man's early evolution. They may have found the first ever link to human beings. You guys want to brick with me? Any words jump out at you? You think I'm being a jerk, don't you? That clip used to be twice as long. I actually shortened it because I have so much to teach. That's how many times could be, seems, thinks, appears. All those little caveats are used. The name of the show was not could be the link. Guys, I'm going to go out on a limb here, all right? Get it? Evolution, going out on a limb? Man, I'm pitching them high. Y'all are looking low. Come on, help me out here. This is good stuff. This is good material. I work hard at this. I'm going to go out on a limb here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, tell me if I'm going too far. If it could be a link, it could be a lemur. Is that possible? Is it, is it possible? If it could be a link, it could be a lemur. And what should I do to figure out if it's a link or a lemur? I should set aside my preconceived ideas and follow the observational evidence to its logical, testable conclusion. Right? Let's do it. Let's take a look at the evidence and see where it takes us. You make that decision. Hold me accountable. There it is. There's Ida. And read right there. Her anatomy has a remarkable, has remarkable similarities to our own. She looks like us. We are in trouble. Let's listen to the similarities. When you look at the fossil for the first time and you get an impression of the completeness and you start to look at all the, the different details on this, uh, on this fossil, it's a quite short face. It's not like a very lo elongated face like you see in most lemurs. And that's, that's comparable almost to us because we got a very, very flat face. Man, we were in trouble. 
Edith's got a flat face like ours. What can we do? Set aside your preconceived idea. Let's go look at the observational evidence. Let's push on the cool little interactive button there, blow up the face, and man, sure enough. Looky there, looky there. Edith has a short face like ours, not the elongated face of a lemur. Are there any teachers in here tonight? Teachers, teachers, teachers. Anybody that wants to be a teacher when they grow up? Good. I will spend the rest of my life apologizing to teachers. I'm serious. I was your worst nightmare. I was your worst nightmare. I am the student that has seen the tops of so many teachers' heads in my day. Not because I'm tall, but because the teacher would say something, and when they would say something, my hand would go up. And when my hand went up, their head went, What, Carl? It's the way I'm wired, man. I just ask questions. It's just the way I am. She's got a short face like ours. Inquiring minds want to know. So you know what I did? I compared her skull to a human skull. And then I compared her skull to a lemur. Sure enough, looks like us. (laughs) Guys, this is their 3D reconstruction. If there is anybody in your family with a mug like that, I'm sorry. America spends a billion dollars a year for plastic surgery. She needs it. Looks like us. I have never seen anybody with it. Not me, man. Oh, we're just getting started. We're just getting started. When you're looking at the whole body, you can look at the quite short arms, quite short legs. Not this very, very long legs and arms. Quite a small, compact body, like us. Man, we are so toast. She's got short arms and short legs like us. What in the world could we ever do? Set aside your preconceived idea. Go push on the really cool little interactive button. Blow up the arms. Looky there, looky there. Man, it's true. Edith's got two arms, and they look exactly like a lemur. Don't trust me. Let's go back to their show. Listen, this is the same show. Listen to this. Same show. Creating an accurate 3D model of Ida. Now the team can compare her skeletal anatomy with living animals in minute detail. Her body proportions and finger length suggest she's a lemur. What was that? Her body proportions suggest she's a what? I thought she had short arms and short legs like us. By the way, not just once. But her body proportions and the length of her fingers are like a lemur's. That's called talking out of both sides of your mouth. That's called deception. Young person, hear me tonight. One lesson that I want you to take from this little short thing I'm going to do with you. Satan doesn't play fair. He bold-faced lies. Bold-faced lies. By the way, critical thinkers, there's some more deception going on on that screen. What's the deception? She's standing upright. How do you get famous in the world of paleontology? You don't find monkey bones and you don't find human bones. Boring. You find an ape-like ancestor. How do you know if you find an ape-like ancestor? Something that looks like an ape 
but walks like a human. Because humans are, most of us, bipedal, walking on two legs, right? Apes are quadrupeds, knuckle-draggers, right? Look at Ida. She is not fully upright, but she's two-thirds of the way there, man. She fits the bill as a missing link. Oh, but there's only one problem. Same program. Listen to what they say when they compare Ida's skeletal structure with a chimpanzee. They are quadrupeds, walking on all fours, as she would have done. In the- as who would have done? So Ida was a... So why do you sure walking two-thirds of the way upright? Satan doesn't play fair. Young person, please, hear me on that. He doesn't play fair. Bold-faced lies. There's more. You can see that it's got five fingers, of course, and nails on all the fingers. But also, the thumb is opposable like us. So it can grasp things, it can hold things the same way we do today. It's already there 47 million years ago. It's a, it's a, it's a proper hand to hold around things. Man, we are so toast. Ida's got five fingers like us. She's got nails like us. She's got a thumb like us. Ida has certain undeniable human characteristics such as forward-facing eyes and an opposable thumb. What are we going to do? Set aside your preconceived ideas. Let's go look at the observational evidence. Let's push on the really cool little button there. Blow up the hand. Looky there, looky there. Man, no doubt about it. Ida does have five fingers, nails, and a thumb, and they look exactly like... Anybody remember a quote that we've heard already? Her finger link suggests she's a lemur. By the way, you want me to quit talking on the topic? Glad to do so. Show me anybody in your family with a foot like that. If any of your relatives can hang from a tree by their toes, you win. I'm done. Guys, that's as lemur as lemur gets. There is nothing human about that. Oh, her ankle bone. Get out of here. Her ankle bone. Oh, but Carl, she has forward-facing eyes. Now we got you. What are you going to do with that? Looky there, looky there. Ida has eyes that face forward just, I mean, exactly like. (laughs) That's the best they've got? And Sir David is going to go out there. The link is no longer missing. They used this to mock Christians big time. Be patient. Give science time. They'll catch up to reality. Because you know what I found? Typically 11 months. 11 months after the big headlines come out. If you start searching, you'll find articles saying, well, it really wasn't a link after all. Typically it's 11 months. It didn't take 11 months. It took three days. Within three days of this big television show coming out, the book, The Plush Toys, scientists divided on Ida as the missing link. In order to, or why Ida Fossil is not the missing link, in order to establish that connection, Ida would have had to have had anthropoid-like features that evolved after anthropoids split away from lemurs and other early primates. Here, last, Ida fails miserably, so Ida is not a missing link. Don't trust me. Let's go to a conservative Source, MSNBC. Yeah, that's a joke too. And the five people that read this article were shocked. That was another joke. Get it? MSNBC, nobody goes there, all right? 
But anyway, if MSNBC believes the same way that you do and they call you out, it's a bad day at the office. It's a bad day. Well, this is what they say. Missing Link Primate isn't a link after all. Remember, E to the Fossil Discovery announced last May with its own book and TV documentary, a publicity blitz called it the link. Do you see what MSNBC just told you and I? It was a publicity blitz. And that's exactly what it was. Do you understand that this fossil that you and I have been hearing and Yorn's been talking about, Yorn didn't discover that fossil. That fossil was discovered over 20 years ago, held in a private collection. And after 20 years, the owner said, hey, I want to make some money off this thing. He takes it to the museums, wants to sell it for a million bucks. The museums won't give him a million bucks, so he finds Yorn in a Frankfurt, uh, Germany, at a uh, fossil show. says, hey, Yorn, got this fossil. Million bucks. Yorn raises the money. He takes it. They study it in secret for a couple of years, and then they release their findings. And you know, it was pure coincidence. But when they released it, the findings just so happened to get released the exact same year that they celebrated the 200th anniversary of the birth of Charles Darwin and the 150th anniversary of the publication of Origin of Species. It was pure coincidence. It was a publicity blitz. They admitted it. And watch this, watch this. They go on to say experts protested that Eda wasn't even a close relative. New analysis says that it's actually as far from the monkey ape human ancestry as a primate can be. So when Mr. Crottenmaker wants to tell me and tell you that we don't want to set aside our preconceived ideas and follow the observational evidence to his logical, testable conclusion, oh, that's not true. You know why? As a Christian, if I'm giving you false information, I've got a millstone waiting for me. Matter of fact, i got a bunch of millstones. I'm looking at a lot of young folks in here tonight. You better believe I take it seriously. He doesn't have to play fair. And he doesn't. Yorn, bold-faced, lied. Now, that's a big claim. Don't ever do that unless you can back it up. Yorn, bold-faced, lied on this TV program. And I'm going to prove it to you. I'm going to prove it to you. Because take a listen to this. What did Yorn say when he wasn't on the TV program getting paid big money and he was just doing... Interviews? We are, of course, not stating that this is the, our direct ancestor. That's too much. Excuse me? That's too much. What was the name of the show? The book. The TV show? The website. I want you to go check me out. Listen to this guy. He's one of the Dream Team members that worked on The Bones. It's not a direct ancestor of monkeys and humans, but researchers say it provides a good indication of what such an ancestor may have looked like. It is a member of the ancestors. We could call it, if we would put it familiarly, uh, we are not dealing with our grand, 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 grandmother, but perhaps with our grand, grand, grand aunt. That's just clear as mud. By the way, they knew that it was not a human ancestor, right? They admitted it. Then why, when you go buy the uh, DVD, do they market it as this? Scientists have discovered the oldest and most complete fossil of a human ancestor. What, uh, of a what? They know it's not in our lineage. Why do they market it as such? The fossil's remarkable state of preservation allows an unprecedented glimpse into early human evolution. Excuse me. If it's not in the lineage, how can it show you anything about human Ancestry. By the way, come with me to Denver Museum of Natural History. I love leading tours through there. Did I tell you? 
She is one of the stars showing that we evolved from an ape-like ancestor. It's still in there. It's not been removed. Satan doesn't play fair. They know it's not a link. Oh, by the way, if you give out false information and then you find out, I feel bad, right? I mean, I, I'm going to do whatever I can. Guys, I blew it. I gave you the wrong information. I mean, I've done that. I have. I've, I've blown it. How does Jorn feel? He knows he gave out bad information. How's he feel? Eh, I'll let him tell you. No, I do not regret the media blitz. What, 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 what? Regret the what? He knew what he was doing. Don't regret it at all. He is still one of the most iconic fossils and the only complete primate fossil ever. Whether or not she's a direct ancestor, something we never claimed in the scientific paper. Excuse me. Excuse me. You may not have claimed that in the scientific paper, but what did you claim on the TV show? And by the way, sir, how many people read the scientific paper? Let's be honest. How many people watched the TV show? And how many people are still watching the TV show, which is being used in the public schools to lie to our children that they evolved from an ape-like ancestor? It's just part of the story. She's undoubtedly the only fossil that tells us what an early primate really looked like. Other fossils are mostly fragments. Listen to this. When I say science, what do you think of? Honest. I'm not trying to uh, mess around or anything. When you think of somebody that's doing science, what what do you think of? What's that? High school student? Oh, Isaac Newton. I was like, I'm hard of hearing. My hearing aid's broken my way out here, so I can't hear. Isaac Newton. Characteristics of somebody that does science. What, what are characteristics? Authority. What? Repeatable. People that are doing it, though. Integrity? Integrity? Um, searching for truth, right? Something like that? Watch this. Watch this. Any pop band is doing the same thing. Any athlete is doing the same thing. We have to start thinking the same way in science. You've got to understand, Satan doesn't play fair. And when you and I hear science, it's not science anymore. It's a worldview. Any pop band is doing this. That's not what science is supposed to be about. By the way, by the way, this fossil rewrites our understanding of the evolution of primates. Critically evaluate that statement for me, please. Critical thinkers, come on. Especially the young folks. I love getting these high schoolers involved. Go ahead. What's that statement telling you? You had a great answer last time. What, how would you deal with that? Anybody, what question would you ask? What I love, let's get to the core. Let's ask straightforward questions, not mean-spirited, but straightforward. How strong is your position if you find a rock that changes everything that you've known to be fact for 150 years? We've known this to be true for 150 years. I find a new rock and everything goes out the window. How strong is your position? Simple question. The, uh, the science textbooks that are being used in the schools today, do they teach the same thing as 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 
50 years ago, 100 years ago. The Word of God that you and I read from. Does it teach the same thing as 10 years ago? 20 years ago? 50 years ago? 100 years ago? Why are we so willing to abandon the Word of God for a system that every time they find a new rock somewhere, it changes everything? 50 to 88% of the young people raised in the church are gone by the time they're age 18. And may I suggest to you that we are not losing them. We never had them. Because they were raised with what I was raised with. Box checking and exterior. Not life-changing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's deal with a little bit. Deal with one more. We're skipping another one because that's a long one. Give me a short one. Here's a short one. Short one, short one. Yeah, this is good. When you come with me to the Smithsonian, did I tell you I like leading towards the Smithsonian? Okay. When you come with me to the Smithsonian, here's their chart. What are you going to do, Carl? That is the human family tree. You start down here, and given enough time, right circumstances, you get people. Critical thinkers. What questions? What observations do you have? This is their chart, their tree. Ma'am. What's that? The branches don't connect. So all of the evidence is not on the tree. It's on the branches. Any other observations? This is how easy it is, parents, grandparents. Use one website. Human Family Tree, David Koch, K-O-C-H, Hall of Human Origins. Do a search on it on the Internet. It will lead you to this. Find it, and then you go to their tree, and then you start pushing the buttons. Uh, uh, Artipithecus, guess what? Do you know what you're going to find? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Those eleven, none of them are in the human ancestry. Not a one of them. That's why they are out on the branches and not on the tree. Uh, simple observation. Why do you put it in the human family tree if it's not in the human lineage? And then you can start doing some digging on these up here, and then it gets really interesting. Guys, when you go to the Smithsonian, this is how bad the evidence is. This is the family tree. There it is, Carl. Look at all that. You start down here with Salhanthropus, Chedensis, and give it enough time, you get people. I don't like that interpretation. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put my finger on that little dot over there. I scroll it down, and guess what happens? I change, I rearrange the whole evidence and give it another interpretation. Oh, I don't like that interpretation. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to slide it again. And this time, I totally rearrange the tree. If your position is such is that you can take and rearrange these things. How strong is your position? Teach a generation how to think, not what to think. Give me one more. USA Today came out on this one. Scroll down and here we go. Bone fossil points to a mystery human species. Oh boy, I love mysteries. Time magazine says scientists discover an ancient human relative. It looks like Bigfoot to me. 
Researchers call this potential form of hominem X-woman. I, what kind of, I wonder what kind of superpower she had. Now, you're going to love this. I wish I had Sir David Attenborough's voice right now. I don't. But let me give you my best interpretation of a, a nature voice. You know those nature documentary kind of things? Here we go. In 2008, a team of archaeologists discover a fossilized fragment of a pinky finger. So you fundamentalist hicks, you don't accept evolution. We found a fragment of a pinky finger. Now, if they found the whole pinky finger, I might be worried. But since it's a fragment, I think we're okay. Guys, know what they found. You know, there's only one place you're going to find evidence for evolution. It's at the checkout stand at the grocery store, and I don't think you want to put your eternal salvation in Star Magazine. It's not very good. We could go through every one of these, every one of them. I could do it. I hope that you'll start digging and be able to do it as well. You may be surprised at what you actually find. Here's a quote, non-Christian. If you look at the fossils, the good evidence on Africa can be placed on the palm of your hand. In this field, the person kicks over stone in Africa, and we have to rewrite the textbooks. How strong is your position? If you find a new stone that changes everything you've known for 150 years. Let me let another bastion of conservatism talk to you, Alec Baldwin. Yes, that's another joke. Do you see that table behind him? When he did his show on Discovery Channel on human evolution, this was a quote that he made. This is what's left. Some fossil skulls, bones, stone tools, not a lot. Time is the enemy. It wipes out a lot of evidence. All the fossils ever found to explain the earliest chapters of human history could go easily into the back of a pickup. Yeah. May I reinterpret the evidence? The reason you don't have any evidence of one thing turning into another thing is because it never happened. Teach a generation how to think, not what to think. Father, thank you for the opportunity to just come out here and hopefully encourage and challenge folks. Lord, be glorified. We're not perfect. I don't pretend to be. But God, you are, for whatever reason, choosing to use us to be a tool to reach out to a culture that needs to know there's another way. But we can only talk about what we know about. So help us to grow in our knowledge and our service to you. Help us to grow in our knowledge of the word, most importantly, Lord. Not trying to spend all our time in science arguments, but in the Word. But help us, Father, to apply what we see in the Word, in the world that we live in, so that it is real and it is understandable, especially to a culture that needs to know there's another way. We thank you for what you will accomplish through humble folks. We want to be that. Here we are. Send us. We want to give you the glory and the honor because you're the one that deserves it. In Jesus' name, amen.